Welcome everybody. Um, so uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, we're going to talk today about design and construction budgeting for your next, next, next project. Well, it's really for all of your projects and I know you all have a lot going on right now. So um, welcome to our DLN expert access. It's a closer look at important relevant and relevant topics in the architecture and design industry led by leading experts. Um, today, we are looking again at this, the design, architecture, and construction budgeting for your projects. Our guest today is Cummings, Cummings Corporation's Vice President, Daniel Pombrett, with more than 23 years of industry experience as a member of the Royal Institution of, um, and as a member of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, Daniel possesses a special knowledge of high-end residential projects. Um, um, and many other uh, sectors, but he, he really knows our sector. So I think that's super important. He also will provide uh, market data and analytics related to construction industry and uh, an in-depth analysis and overview, which includes forecasting trends for each region that we're in. We are focused on what you guys are doing and where you are and where your projects are. Um, so. I'm gonna turn this over to Daniel, but but, um, but before we get started, I just wanna make note of the Q&A button in the platform at the bottom of your screen. So send those and I'll either hold off on getting them answered until the end, if that makes sense, or I'll interject and ask the question so that we get some uh, clarification. So uh, with no further ado, here is Dan, Dan Pompret. And I thought I was gonna to talk to him for 10 or 15 minutes when we had a pre-call and I ended up talking to him for an hour. He is a wealth of information. So Dan, thank you for joining us. No problem, thank you. Thanks, thanks, for, the, uh, thanks for the introduction. So, uh, and thanks everyone for, for, for joining the meeting and uh, hopefully uh, you guys can hear me okay and, and see the screens. Uh, but if there are any issues as we go through this, then just, uh, and just let me know. So, um, so yeah, so we're gonna talk about the markets, um, you know, focusing on uh, luxury hospitality and, and residential markets. Um, and the way I typically take these these presentations, there's a lot of data that as we go through this, um, you know, we, we look at very high level and then we sort of start start uh, moving down into the into the um, into the actual market specific. So, so just give a bit of background to us, and 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 I, I promise you, this is not a, this is not a shameless plug. This is really what I'm trying to show here is that you know, as, as a company, you know, we we garnish a lot of data. We you know we see about 400 projects a month. A lot of them in those sectors that that, that of course you guys are interested in. Um, but what we are seeing is a lot of interesting information in terms of, um, you know, uh, direct information that we get from the markets. And we pull our information from about 300, uh, 300 uh, different sources as well. And, and you see here on the left-hand side that, you know, we're spread across the country. So, you know, we're, we're certainly seeing a lot of different uh, types of information at, at different stages through, through the project. Um, and then here we have, you know, a couple of couple of projects I'm sure you guys can sort of know and love as well. Um, but again, you know, just to show that, you know, we are working in, in a similar market to, to, the, to the ones that uh, you guys are interested in as well. So, and then finally, um, just to give a bit of insight into to me and myself, um, you know, I've been doing, I've been in the industry about 26 years now. Um, I lead our team to produce all these items that you see on the paper here, but, you know, we are we're very much focusing on, you know, markets, um, commodities, labor, you know, anything that basically directly or indirectly affects a project, um, we're, we're reviewing and, and tracking on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and it's something that, that is, is, is always readily available. But for us, it's, it's very much key because, 
you know, for, for ourselves and, and particularly yourselves, you know, you've got to be able to have accurate information. And, and certainly the way the world is going at the moment, it's very, uh, it, it, it's very data driven. Um, so the way I, I sort of structure this presentation is, uh, you know, we're going to look at the, the short term effects, uh, which is what we call the pandemic effects. And then we'll look at the long term effects and where we're going in the next couple of years. Um, and then we'll look at, you know, how, how to sort of convey that information to, to your clients, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of data out there. And you'll see as we go through this, that there is a, a, a vast amount of information that, that can be pulled and, and shown to people as well. So, um, so it's very important to be able to, you know, provide that focus. And, 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 and as uh, Becca mentioned, you know, as we go through this, if there are questions, then, then you know, feel free to, to ask those. Um, probably speak about 40 minutes or so uh, to, to give that Q&A time at the end as well. Um, so jumping onto the first slide, what we've shown here is, um, and, and you'll see in this presentation, I'm quite a lover of the, uh, the heat maps because I feel like they, they really help graphically show um, uh, the, the data and the information. Um, what was really interesting with this one is, is this is construction activity in 2020. So this is across all sectors, um, all locations, uh, and, and we've mirrored this out in, uh, by state location. Um, but you see here on the left-hand side that I picked uh, quite a few of the states that, that um, I'm sure you guys are active in, in terms of, uh, in terms of the luxury, uh, hospitality, and residential. And you see here that actually during 2020, um, construction across those sectors or those locations and across all the sectors actually increased. Um, now, if we drill down into, into the uh, individual uh, sectors, which we'll, we'll come on to in a, in a, in a few slides or so, uh, you see that it's a very different story in terms of, uh, you know, as you, as you drill into each of the sectors. So, for example, um, in a lot of the southern states like Carolinas um, and then sometimes into uh, in the Midwest states um, or, or the Plain states like uh, Colorado, Montana, and we've seen a lot of uh, data centers, for example, and distribution centers that are, are very much sort of driving up the uh, driving up the construction activity. So, um, but the devil really is in the detail. But you know, as you look at this, and as we look at how we come out of the pandemic, you'll see that you know, in a lot of these locations, you know, construction has continued, um, and a lot of those and a lot of those locations construction has increased. So subsequently, as we come out of the pandemic, you know, what's what's what are we going to find in terms of labour availability, material availability, uh, and, and all that good stuff that comes with it as well. So jumping into the, that construction activity as, as we look forward to 2021, um, you see here I, I've shown three graphs, and these three graphs will, will basically replicate themselves as we go through the uh, as we go through the presentation. But you see here on the left hand side in the blue. Uh, we have construction activity by volume. Um, so this is where we expect the, the big amount of activity to happen um, in 2021 uh, across all across all sectors. But of course, the, the darker colours being where we're expecting the, um, the, the the most activity. Uh, again, if you drive into the detail and you look at the hospitality and the residential side, um, and this is this is across all all um, all levels of uh, residential and hospitality, you see that actually the southern states, you know, Florida, Texas. Then California um, are really you know where we're going to see a big uptick, um, and we're seeing that pretty much. If you look at um, any any luxury market, um, those are the, the big ticket ones. Um, you know we haven't seen the people migration that we saw um, back in the 2008 uh, recession, which is generally people's last um, last data point um, that they saw. Um, you know about 15% of moves 
uh, over the last uh, 12, 18 months have actually been related to um, uh, the, the, you know, moving for work. Uh, the rest of it has, the other 85% has actually been lifestyle choices um, unrelated to COVID. Um, so, you know, the southern states are typically the ones where we see a lot of that migration because of obviously the uh, lower taxes and, and lower cost of uh, building construction and cost of living. Um, but again, you, you, know, you see it's replicated across the hospitality and the, and the residential side. Um, when you get to the um, sort of Midwest and the central regions, um, it's, it's very, um, it, it tends to float down to the MSA level. So if you, if you go down to, to the metropolitan statistical or the, or the large cities, um, that's where you start to see peaks and drops in terms of how those, how those costs are really sort of, um, uh, or, or how that um, work in the future will actually be, um, be, be portioned up, shall we say. Um, and then, you know, one of the other big things, of course, is on, on the talking points at the moment is materials. Um, and, and this is this is a 12-month tracker that we have internally. Um, so we're, we're um, obviously tracking the key commodities. And this is raw material prices. This doesn't include um, items such as, you know, labour to install or logistics. Um, but this is, this so, you know, for example, where you see their London plywood going up by almost 27%. That, that's not the cost of your project going up 20%, that's uh, the, the cost of materials. And materials typically account for about 25 to 30% of the cost of the project. Um, we see here, you know, the typical stories that, that I'm sure you guys have, have, have all known, seen and loved, um, you know, lumber and plywood are, are very much jumping up. Thank you so much. Oh, sorry. Um, so yeah, lumber and copper are going up. Um, uh, but what we have seen is that you know the, the general sort of heavy building projects like um, concrete, brick, CMU, things like you know we've seen increases, but they've not been to the levels that we've seen in some of the other materials. And we also have fabricated steel here, and you see um, interestingly that, that steel has on a 12 month gone down 2.2%, uh, which is the third bar there from the top. Um, but a lot of that has been driven by the fact that. Um, we are seeing that you know it was starting from a high point anyway. Um, you know we had the tariffs and we had uh, the various uh, issues that were, were coming back. Plus the uh, you know during the last twelve months or so, um, you know we've had the U.S. Uh, surplus of stock that we've been seeing. So um, and, that, and that's now starting to get used up. So we're actually expecting you know some of those materials actually to to, to do the inverse. Um, but really the top five drivers as, as we are seeing them in the market is is really supply chain and that that's really the biggest one. You know, manufacturing started and stopped, particularly in, again, those locations um, in, in the southern states, California as well. Um, you know, it, it takes a long time to start up a mill. For example, uh, if you take a, a, a lumber mill, it takes um, you know, a significant amount of time to start and stop. Um, the, the markets can't react as quickly as, as they would like to, um, to be able to uh, supply those markets because you know, if you were building a, a, a lumber mill from scratch, it would take generally uh, well over $100 million and uh, about two years as well. So the ability of the markets to react um, to those supply chain issues and that start-stop has, has been really difficult. And we also have the delivery and logistics. Um, you know, during the, the height of the pandemic, obviously we had issues with um, containers, air freight, um, and, and, you know, particularly if we're in the, the, the you know, hospitality residential, you know, getting the, the food and beverage, getting the... the, the um, you know, fixtures and furniture, the, the wardrobes, cupboards, you know, all that, all that high-end furniture. Um, you know, we, we, we saw pre-pandemic 
driven mainly by the tariffs that um, you know people were sort of moving towards the US based or Canada and Mexico based uh, manufacturing. But what we did see during the pandemic is that with the closing of the borders and the different attitudes and approaches um, of the of the markets in terms of trying to um, deal with the pandemic, um, you know, we saw a lot of issues of you know, how do you cross state lines, for example, and how much, how long do materials and people need to be in quarantine to do so. Um, we also saw you know where we were getting materials from from abroad. Um, leading times extended uh, by about two or three weeks. Uh, we've seen logistic prices increasing by about two or three percent as well. Uh, so two or three times as well. Um, and then you know there, there was a, an interesting stat that around about fifteen percent of the containers at one point um, in the world were, were sitting outside of LA port. Um, because um, they couldn't get in uh, because it was a you know, one in one out um, and, and the various sort of systems and, and approaches they had there as well. Um, so if you think border containers around the world, um, you know, that, that, that really uh, caused some issues. Um, we also had uh, demand, um, you know, construction didn't stop in, in most locations. I know that in New York, for example, um, and California, you know, we had Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, you know, we had a lot of stop and start. Stop and start. But if you take the southern states, Montana's, Colorado, those locations, um, yeah, it, it pretty much continued as normal. Um, you know, there were some restrictions and there were some delays to begin with, um, as, as people got used to used to the precautions and the, and the processes, particularly getting up up in high-rise buildings as well. Um, but overall, you know, construction still continued, and like I say, demand was still there. Um, and then you had raw materials. Um, you know. You had a lot of natural disasters. Um, so, you know, when we're reviewing, you know, the effects of the construction industry, we even go far as you know, where materials come in. You know, in, in Brazil, for example, we had a lot of mine issues. Um, in uh, Texas, we had um, some, some storms that actually affected um, chemical production. So, you know, PVC, for example, is, is, is hot on the list at the moment in terms of potential increases. Um, and then finally, we had the, the construction technique. So we saw a lot of, lot of surge of prefab and timber construction, which is has sort of added to that that supply and demand issue. Uh, green technologies, you know, not just PV panels, but you know, how how do we um, you know create the you know timber structures, for example? You know, we're starting to see you know a lot of mid-rise uh, and, and now starting to talk about high-rise uh, timber structures. So, you know, people have changed their approach um, to the construction world, um, and, and certainly how those how those possible sort of ripple effects uh, through the through through the coming year, so to speak. So if we look at escalation, um, and we've taken escalation here up to 2021, but you'll see that um, you know, it, it, it jumped up and down, um, particularly you know, between 2018 and 2019. Um, and and you know, when you read this, read this graph, you always want to look there and say, okay, you know, 2019, we're on the downward slope anyway. Uh, but that was because we were starting from such a high in 2018. Um, you know, we're doing projects, high-end luxury projects, for example, in Montana, uh, Florida, and Texas, and, and Locations again that, that I showed in that, that second or third slide. Um, and you know, escalation still continues going up because you know, the, the, the ability to get the labor force to the market and the ability to get the, uh, um, the, the, the materials there um, really peaked in 2018 and it started to, to dissipate a little bit in 2019. You see here, obviously, in 2020, where we had sort of a massive dip. But again, you know, one of the really interesting things for this is, is that you know, certainly that. You know, escalation still remained in the positive. Again, if you go back to 2008 and, and that data point, you know, escalation tends to dip into the negative. Um, 
So we had a, a common co question, a common conversation with clients to say, you know, costs are still going to go up. Um, you know, they may not be going up at the, 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 the values that they were, um, but certainly, you know, if you look at them now, um, or at this point, sorry, you know, you're still in the uh, still in the positive. So if we look at the the uh, you know drill down a bit further detail into into the high end hospitality um, and you know this this show, the the graph on the left hand side there shows the, the hotel market and the size of it and again you know 2019 saw saw you know continued increases uh, in those markets and, and again across across all the locations that I'm sure you guys are, are active in as well and then we saw that massive drop in 2020. Um, and what we have seen um, is those sort of um, uh, more sort of mid mid range um, type hospitality projects started to, to, to rear up um, sort of probably about six months ago in the luxury has started to follow suit, um, but maybe sort of six months or so afterwards. But what we see here is we are starting to see a climb, and even in 2021, now there is that potential that those those figures will actually be beaten because we are seeing um, you know those green shoots of recovery that quite frankly, you know, could go one way or the other. You know, they, they, we've seen a lot of activity, a lot of people talking about projects. And, you know, from, from us and our point of view, um, you know, we're seeing a lot more um, projects coming our way and, and a lot of people talk about those as well. And if we look at the, the high-end residential, uh, a sim, similar, uh, similar sort of um, uh, graph in terms of locations. Um, you know, the locations with lower build costs is where we're seeing a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of uh, activity, uh, particularly um, larger complexes. So we're working on one in, um, uh, in Wyoming that is you know, a relatively uh, reasonable size um, uh, project of, of luxury residential. Uh, again, that's continued and, and that market has, has, has remained active. And you know, what we are seeing is that there's um, yeah, very much the demand is still there. Um, you know, people were very hesitant um, at the beginning of COVID. Um, you know, for example, I'm working on a project uh, in Chicago where we're doing luxury residences, residences and you know, people were you know, just holding back. Um, but what we have seen now is a real surge in terms of uh, activity in that market and, and you know, prices are, are going up um, and, and people are very active. And, and you know, what we did see on the, uh, on the low and medium range like residential um, is that, that you know that was a lot of that was driven by um, lower mortgage rates and, and the lower cost of lending. Um, obviously, in the luxury side, you know that tends not to be so much of a driver. Um, it, it can be you know one of the aspects that we see in, in, in driving that market, but you know, certainly you know, people when they're buying these properties, what we are seeing is that you know this is their second, third home, uh, something like that as well. So. Um, but yeah, we, we are seeing, you know, particularly now, uh, and I was looking at the figures yesterday, but a lot of activity in those secondary and tertiary markets. So you know, outside of your know, San Francisco's and your, your New York's, um, you know, there, there's a lot of activity in, like I say, those you know, Colorado's, Wyoming, Montana's, and those, those kind of markets as well. And then this, this slide here is, 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 a, is, is a very interesting one, and, and forgive the graphics because it's, it's one of those ones that, that we took from one of our sub subscription services. Um, but you see here that you know, medium house prices in the luxury residential side have, have really increased. Um, and we've seen um, you know, a lot of that is driven by the fact that there's you know, less properties, but demand is increasing. And so what we've seen is that there's been about a 40% drop uh, between April 2020 and April 21 in terms of actual properties on the market. But that demand has still remained there and still continues to, to go up. And you see 
on the bottom right hand side there that you've got the uh, the, the sales prices and the list prices um, as, as averages and you know you see that they've stayed pretty constant and you know particularly towards the end of that graph you know we're starting to see uh, starting to see a, 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 a an uptick in there um, you know what we have seen is, is markets like San Francisco for example that, that were always very very active anyway um, you know San Francisco is now back up to uh, you know four percent escalation for example and 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 every price there has followed suit in terms of getting back to almost pre-pandemic levels, um, you know, everyone knows that San Francisco is very, very uh, hot, um, and we're seeing a lot of the uh, a lot of the tech industry, you know, consider. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily being decided, but certainly consider, you know, having their teams work remotely. Um, but um, you know, there, there's still a huge demand for for, for properties in those locations. Um, and, and like I say, you know, you know once you add in the, the, you know, the, the price of actually building those locations as well, you know, it, it becomes a very, it's, it's an interesting market. It can be very lucrative um, uh, for both owners and sellers, um, but it also also comes with a, a little bit of a, a danger warning, so to speak. And then this is a, a slightly different graph to, to what we were showing um, earlier. So the previous graph was a rolling 12 months. So this is this is on the calendar year. So this is where we expect to see prices um, going over the next um, uh, next next or next calendar year. So from uh, next six months or so, you know, we should see these averages. And what you will see is that you know there, there's going to be a, a, a bit of a peak of prices as we come out into the into the end of the year. Um, you know, 2020, beginning of, end of 2020 and into the beginning of 2021, what we did see is that the markets continued pretty uh, pretty steadily. Um, you know, we saw general increases in prices, as, as we saw in the graph previously, with, with those outliers like lumber, copper, and, and such like. But what we are expecting is that as, as we come towards the end of the year, um, you know, projects are going to come back online. People can get more confident in the markets. Um, we're even seeing that, you know, even you know, big distributors are, are now sort of looking at futures markets and, and certainly, you know, buying, pre-buying and steel, lumber, things like that as well. Um, and so we're expecting that there's going to be a bit of a run on, on, the, on the materials. And, you know, so you're going to see some exponential increases in the, in the price of materials as we go through. Um, you see here that, you know, lumber, we're expecting to see an overall increase of uh, just under 22%. Um, but there's some some interesting ones there, like uh, the sheet steel, for example, and uh, and um, you know concrete rebar, you know, and uh, and one of the ones that, that is here that doesn't necessarily show up at the moment as a as a big increase, but is the plastic construction products uh, uh, products. So it's about halfway down the uh, halfway down the graph there. But as I mentioned, you know, we've we've had these issues with uh, winter and summer storms, particularly in Texas, um, that have affected PVC production and and, and the chemical side of it. And so we're actually expecting those prices to increase. So, you know, we, we, as we go through this, um, you know, there, there's, there's going to be some interesting things going ahead. So, you know, really keeping up to speed with the market is, is really, really key. Um, and we'll come on to the, the you know, 2022 onwards because, you know, when you see this, it, you actually are a very different story as the market starts to calm down. Now, as again, as, as we look at escalation, and like I say, the previous graph took us up to 2021, and this takes us uh, into 21 and, and beyond, uh, or certainly to 2022. What we're expecting is that escalation is actually going to start jumping up. Um, you know, there, there's certainly a pressure on labour, and, and one of the key things that, that we've been looking at is, you know, how how's the correlation of materials and labour working? Now, during the pandemic, um, construction um, actually added. Um, uh, labor in, in, in many of the states, and I think overall it was 
it was pretty much constant, uh, maybe a little bit of an increase. Um, and we all knew that there was a, a bit of an issue with labor skill set availability um, prior to the pandemic. So the pandemic has offered this sort of respite to the issue, but it hasn't really um, solved the issue. Um, and, and as work now starts slowing back, um, people start getting busy, you know, we're now going to see that peak in escalation that's going to you know, potentially take us over that 2018 level. And again, this is this is overall um, over every sector um, and every location. So this is averages, and so it does change depending upon your location, type of sector, um, even time of the year as well. You see that this you know very much sort of peaks up and down depending upon uh, the, the the month of, of of the year, so to speak. So so we're going to see different ripple effects as we go through this. Um, the one thing that that isn't really account for this is 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 in the stimulus package. So that that's sort of been bounced around um, by the government. Um, you know, we've seen you know, various different iterations of that. Um, I, I think it's it's finally getting through at the moment, but you know, you know, there, there are so, so two, I guess, two schools of thought to this. Uh, the first one is it brings jobs and it brings uh, money back to the economy. Um, and you know, so, so it will help create jobs and uh, you know, be, be very helpful. But there is also another view in terms of um, how the market's going to perform because the labor market's already stretched, material prices are already going up because there's a lot of demand. Um, and so if we add even more work to that, does that actually help or does that hinder? Because you know, you're going to create more work out there, which means you know, potentially um, you know, contractors, subcontract market are going to get busier. And so you know, do, do they become more selective like they were um, during that 2018 period? And so it, it, it's got a very interesting, um, uh, you know, it's going to be a very interesting approach to see how that how that really affects the market. Um, one thing I would say is that, and, and the reason I talk a lot of times in, in sort of general terms as well, is because we see a lot of the, you know, it, particularly in luxury hospitality and, and residential, you see a lot of the, you know, it, it's very niche um, in terms of, you know, it's, it's a small world. Um, you know, it's a lot of the same contractors, a lot of same design firms, clients, so on and so forth. Um, but what we are seeing is starting. People starting to merge into that sector, but then also you know, people move out away from that sector. So we're seeing now, you know, for example, you know, hospitality and healthcare mix and, and senior living now, you know, really ramp up, and particularly that um, high-end senior living as well. So, you know, the 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 the, the construction market has, has really sort of, I won't say completely pivoted, but you know, it has sort of merged into other markets. And so, you know, whilst you know we may be thinking, okay, well, you know, this may not be affecting the the, the hospitality or, or residential market there are those indirect effects as you know a concrete contractor you know could could work in any of those markets for example same with a steel contractor um yes once you get into the finishes and MEP and things like that you know it gets a, a, a lot more um finite in terms of the number of people who can do that but um but you know these people are starting to, to also get very very busy on on a lot of different projects as well um, and a lot of the contractors we talk to now you know if you go back maybe 12 18 months ago you know, they were very, um, uh, you know, they, they were very keen to get work, um, but now we're starting to see that a lot of them have got work, um, and they, you know they're they're starting to they're not anywhere near capacity at the moment in a lot of aspects, but they are um, you know getting close to it. Um, there is a concern at the moment in the market um, in, in certain certain locations of you know how much work are people taking on? You know, are they able to fulfil those? Um, those obligations because you know again you know, just because the work's coming back doesn't mean that the labor is as well or the labor will continue um you know, what we had seen from 2008 is that there had been a bit of a ripple effect in terms of labor coming into the market 
uh, between sort of 2008 and 2010, we saw it was roughly about between 25 and 30 percent of the the uh, labor had left the market and whether that was they changed careers or whether that was they retired or, or you know there's a multitude of different reasons but what we then saw was that there wasn't the, the flow of people coming into the market as well so you know, if you take the training period of you know just average out four years you know you, you've got to it was not until the pandemic or, or the recession sorry had started to, to really sort of you know, dissipate that we started to see people coming into the market in terms of the labor skill set and then what you see is that you've then got a four-year period for them to get trained up, and then you know, and then we have this uh, this issue uh, with the with the pandemic as well. So, you know, so there's, there's a lot of pressure on labour, and, and you know, really, you know, what is going to drive prices is that availability of labour and how that sort of flows through the market. Um, so, pretty sure that's a lot, a lot of data. And uh, Rebecca, I don't, I don't know if there's any questions. I can't see the chat box, but um, just just. Checking just to see if there's anything before I move on to the. the, the we do have some. So, so here's here's a question. Um, first of all, I want to do a little more forecasting on 22, but also, mm -hmm. how would you recommend people speaking to their? You know, you're you've got projects coming in. Most of our people have 20. Some, mm -hmm. some of, I mean, I, everybody I ask, they're like 20 or 30 projects. It's crazy how many projects people have going mm -hmm. on. And you're seeing such a massive increase in price per square foot, construction cost, all of this. Yeah. How do they speak to their clients about this? Because, you know, let's say I was in the middle of this project, I'd be like, okay, well, is this going to get better? Or is this just, should I wait? Should I wait to start this construction process or and hold off until things mm -hmm. come down? Because where I think people used to think, I mean, we've got people who do well over a thousand dollars a square foot, but I do think let's just take that as a high average as a thousand dollars a square foot. But that was pre-pandemic. Fifteen hundred on up is is way more what you're hearing across the board now, mm -hmm. and that's a substantial increase in a short yeah. period of time. So, how do you talk to your clients about this and say this isn't going to get better, and here's why? What are you telling them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you've got to really rely on the data. I mean, one of the things that we we do, we actually track prices. You know, so we, we can tell you what steels or, or forecast what actual steel construction price, for example, is going to be in the, over the next sort of eight quarters. Um, and, and you know, a, a lot of that is is from refined data. Um, as as I sort of talked about, you know, we see a lot of data on, on our side. But you know, I, I think, and I've, I've got a slide on this later on. But you know, I, I feel like you know you, you've got to be pretty upfront and open and honest with them. Um, you know, some people sit there and, and, and or some clients, so I say, sort of sit there and go, well, you know, maybe, maybe we should wait. But, you know, you've got to look at each project on a on project by project basis because, you know, yes, you know, theoretically, if you wait and material prices come down, but if labor prices go up, um, you, 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 that's going to offset. You know, labor typically accounts for about 70% of the price of a project. Um, so if that goes up, um, that far outweigh, you know, the, the, the cost of steel. And so, you know, one of the things that we actually do is we'll actually do um, what we call a risk analysis. And so you know, we can take a, a, a project uh, at any level or its concept or, or halfway through construction and actually take each individual package and actually do uh, you know, research on each one of those packages to say, okay, now this is what this material is going to do. Um, and so this is our recommended strategy for it. Um, it's, there's not really a, you know, it, it's difficult to come up with a blanket answer for it because there are so many different things that, that sort of come into it. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we are seeing, sorry. Is 
what are the tactics you see for managing overall project costs? You know, how much value engineering makes sense? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we um, I mean, ultimately, you know, if you have a project, uh, and particularly if you have a client who, who or a developer who signed up on that project or, or you know, someone who's going to buy that project or plan, whatever it may be, um, you know, they're, they're expecting a level of quality. They're expecting a, 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 a type of project. So, you know, you, you, you've got to be, you know, really um, clear about what the value engineering actually is. I mean, we, we call it value management because you're trying to get ahead of it uh, rather than um, cutting scope out or things like that. But, you know, you want to give someone who's, you want to give some people that, that you know, the same quality of, of product, the same quality of, of, of design, um, and not just take that blanket approach of, oh, well, let's just take out a bathroom or let's, you know, let's, let's take out a wing of the building or something like that, because that ultimately will not get you the project that, that everyone signed up for. Um, well, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, whoever, you know, and I think this is where you, you, you know, by employing the right consultants, um, you know, you can get to those answers pretty, pretty, pretty quickly in, in a pretty efficient way. Um, and you've got to get the consultants who know the markets as well. I mean, having, uh, having uh, you know, someone come in, and I, I hear this all, all the time from, a, from an estimating side point of view, is that, you know, let, let, let's just reduce square footage. Well, I mean, that doesn't solve anything. You know, there, there, there are ways and means to get, get buildings more cost efficient, you know, whether it's, you know, changing the material type um, or whatever it may be. But you know, the other thing that you need to also, when you're looking into that, is that, you know, what is what is the cause and effect of that? Does that increase your schedule? And therefore, does that increase, increase your general conditions? And therefore, you know, are there any penalties with lease arrangements and things like that as well? So there's a, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a whole, to do it properly, it, it's, it's, it's quite an in-depth analysis of it. Um, yeah, sense. I mean, I think you're, they're balancing, and I've got some more questions for you, but they're balancing mm -hmm. this moment of talking, knowing how much information a client wants because sometimes they're just like, you know, you're speaking in a foreign language yeah. to me, all of the, with all of the analysis. So mm -hmm. how do you give them enough information so they get it? Like, we're not screwing around with you. This is the story and this is how it's working without getting too much in the weeds where people are like, okay, you know, I can't, when you get into yeah. the deal, yeah. and all that, people might go, okay, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I work with clients who, um, quite frankly, they just tell me, you know, what, what's the end result? What's the, what's the one figure that I need to know? Uh, and, 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 you know, they, they, you know, we have all the backup if they ask for it, because typically, you know, you know, people, people, at some point, someone's going to ask for it, uh, and, and you've got to work it out scientifically rather than sort of take a, a wag at it, so to speak. Um, and I also have clients who are very, very detail orientated, um, particularly if they've got um, other lenders involved or, or anything like that, and they want to see how things are being built up. Um, so yeah, so you know, picking that right approach to your clients is is, is really key because some of them, and, and you'll see from this presentation, you know, there's a lot of data here. Some people love the data, some people just want to know the high level stuff and and, and move on. And um, yeah, so yeah, and it's, it's confusing too. And I do have a question, but I but it is confusing too because it's like all of a sudden you see that lumber plummeted. And the price that all of a sudden that happens. So people are like, oh, well, maybe that's over. I think it's a lot of confusion. And then the media comes in and starts talking about all this too. And I don't think people are 100% clear. And they certainly are not clear about the labor and the pressure on labor, I don't think. Because I don't think that they're 
um, connecting the stimulus package with how that's going to, the ripple effect of how that's going to affect their, um, their projects, their high end residential projects. But Mm -hmm. I think you see labor issues now all over the place. Like I'm in a hotel where the restaurant's not open because they don't have labor. They don't have any to wait on people. And I think that the construction industry is going to face some of that too. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the the big ticket one at the moment is mechanical, electrical, um, are, are very well sought after. Um, you know, superintendents. I mean, if, if if anyone ever fancies a changing career, I mean, superintendents are so hard to come by, and, and just the, the the salaries are just being hiked up and up and up, and you know, ultimately that's got to be fed through into the project. So um, because there's so few people out there, and and then once you try to get good people who had experience, like with uh, luxury residential and hospitality. Um, you know, that even then pulls down that, that, um, that pool of people uh, down even further. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's another question. How similar are residential projects in terms of all these building issues and, hospitali- and hospitality projects? Are there lessons to be learned from these two segments you talk about here? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, ultimately no one saw the pandemic coming. Um, and also, no one saw the 2008 recession coming. Um, well, those that did um, end up uh, you know, getting some, uh, you know, making themselves relatively, uh, relatively wealthy out of it. But, um, but yeah, it, it's you know, really when you look at these lessons learned over the last, um, uh, you know, last 12, 18 months or so. I mean, it, it's really about, you know, keeping track of the market is is, is really key. Um, you know. I think the days of us being able to sort of make those blanket assumptions of what materials are doing or what uh, markets are doing have really gone. I mean, we, we used to, I mean, if you go back to even pre-recession, 2008 recession, you know, the, the old adage used to be that, you know, you take 3% and you just straight line that and that should give you, um, you know, the, your, your escalation for the next 20 years. But, you know, what we have seen is that the markets have, have really, you know, developed and changed, and, and it's not as predictable as, as it once was. So, um, so you know, if, if there's anything out there that I would sort of suggest as a, as a learn from this is that, you know, understand, you know, what's happening with the market, because th- there are still opportunities out there. You know, for example, you know, we're seeing a lot of um, luxury hospitality uh, clients actually now renovating their projects because they've got less people actually staying at the hotels. And so they're actually saving money in the long term because they're not having to phase uh, the the redevelopment or re, rebranding reconstruction of, of, of those uh, of those places. Um, if they wait, you know, you, you could see price increases of that four or five percent. Um, and yes, it may help you in terms of you know, um, you know pushing that that decision out. But you know, there are certainly opportunities to be had um, as, even in these markets. How, how do you think our members? You know, and I think this doesn't just affect construction I think it's also interior design and mm-hmm. everything else. but how do we and I'd like to talk a little bit about that but how do we continue to track this type of data so that people stay up to date on what's happening like how do we know because I think it's it's um it's a lot of information and these people are busier than they've ever been in their entire lives and how do they keep up with what's going on so they can speak effectively to their clients and understand what's going on yeah, I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there. You're right, um, and you've also got to um, work through what information is actually useful. Um, you know, generally, you see everything that is publicised, as you mentioned in the in the news outlets. That 
you know, you know, that, take that where a pinch of salt is, is is sort of my suggestion because you know sometimes that information's you know bang on, but a lot of times it's out of date or or is there to to, to focus on a specific subject or, or issue. Um, you know, but there are a lot of data out, outlets out there. For example, um, you know, I mean, we use 30, 30 or forty subscription services to pull our data from, and, and you know, I have a team of you know, four or five people that work with me specifically just to just to work through the data and and uh, and understand it. Um, you know, we're 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 relatively lucky that we are able to do that. You know, there's a lot of clients out there who who aren't able to do that. Yeah. So I think to me, it, it's about, you know, tr try and pick a, 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 a process or a resource that, that you can trust. So whether it's, you know, a, a, a contractor that you work with all the time or whether it's, you know, a consultant like us or whether it's, you know, a subscription service somewhere else, whatever it may be. Um, but that and, and be very clear about what information you want to have. Because um, if you said, OK, I want to find out about luxury hospitality for example I mean there's and you guys know there's there's a lot of different aspects you've got your food and beverage you've got your IC you've got your 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 you know FFE you've got your actually build construction you've got your shell and core you've got you know there's so many different things to it and so you know it, it's good to know what's happening happening on the periphery of outside of what you're what you're um, involved in because there are those indirect consequences or indirect issues that, that, that apply That's but like but, but, myopic about it you've got it and you've got to get out of our industry and look at what's going on around yes yeah yeah but if, if you're like interior designing for example you mentioned that you know you know understanding you know keep in touch with the manufacturers keep in touch with those you know tile companies for example um you know things like that and, and just 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 keep up those regular com communications um and it and it takes it, it does take an effort i mean it, i mean i'm saying it as if it's if it's a simple thing to do but um you know if anything i would say at the moment for us personally you know it's the markets are a little bit more predictable now i mean they're, they're predictable in turn you know they're not telling people the things that they want to hear in, in a lot of instances about you know prices going up and things like that but um but they are pretty pretty predictable in some aspects of, of okay you know we know what the labor agreements are we know what uh, materials are doing we know what what countries are opening up now we know where um you know, it's, it's like if you were buying tile, for example, from you know Southern Europe. You know, you know that they shut down over August, and so it's it's you know you, you, you're getting into that. There's still some some bumps coming, but the whole thing about tile in Europe is is a really important thing because, like one designer said to me, when all this went down, we looked at how many vendors we had and where they were. We had mm -hmm. 120 different sources. And they were like, I didn't know that we we were working with 120 different sources. It just kind of grows and, you know, you've got different people working on different projects and they're using different sources. And she said, we had to go through and figure out who is at risk, who might close, yeah. who may go out of business and we won't get product from, where, who can we depend on? How can we shift our projects into those people that we can depend on? And that goes into the supply chain issues. Like I think everybody was panicked in the beginning about supply chain issues. And then it took a while for it to actually happen. And yep. now we're like, how long is this going to go on with supply chain issues? So that's my next yeah. question. When, yeah. when does yeah. that level off? Um, I, it, it will vary depending upon the material and the product and, and, and also location. I mean, if you look at China, for example, China is now up to full production. And so you know, we, we were getting a lot of materials and products from there. But 
um, you know, China's using all the steel that it's producing. I mean, China's GDP, I think, grows this year, is expected to grow this year about 6%, 6 to 8%. Um, if you look at the US, it's, you know, 3%. Um, and so China's on this now big ramp up again, and we're seeing something similar to, to or we expect to see something similar to, you know, pre-pandemic levels with, with China moving forward. But you've also got, you know, the likes of India uh, uh, potentially going to hit 8% this year. So, you know, you've got all these other developing countries. And so, you know, so, I, you know, that reliance on, on materials from outside the U.S., um, I mean, it was on the trend of, of coming back to the U.S. anyway, but, um, you know, as we're going to, we expect to see that a bit more. So, I mean, I think, I think you're going to have those, those logistic issues and that supply and demand issue um, just, just ripple, ripple through. Um, and, and, you know, if you want to go and buy concrete now, now's the time, for example, but if you, if you want to buy a steel, then, you know, you'll, you'll probably get a better deal now than you will do in six months and lumber, you know, 12 months kind of. Well, and that's the thing, like on the interior design side, people are buying tile, stone, um, fabrics, uh, mm -hmm. lighting, lighting uh, fixtures, everything from, the, um, they're buying a lot from, they buy it from France, they buy it from Spain, they buy it from Italy, mm -hmm. England. I mean, India is a huge one for, for us. So mm -hmm. uh I don't know how much of our product in, on the design side comes from China at this level, but I know it's coming from everywhere else. So yeah. it is one of those things in that moment is like, is it why is it smarter to be buying locally? I mean, I know it's better for the environment, but is it smarter to stay close to home where you know what you're getting and and you have a better sense of the dependability of the yeah. product and you know, supply yeah. chain? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a case by case basis, um, you know, because because also you know if you look at just logistics, you know, we, we've seen shipping times, you know, two or three weeks added now, um, as I mentioned earlier. So I mean, you know, you've got those other sort of indirect issues that, that that you need to look at as well. So um, so yeah, so it's, it's really close by case. too. Um, I have another question. Um, do you have a point of view on renovations of homes versus new build? In terms of these uh, discussion of cost, is it the same inputs, so the same issues, or the or are there differences? Um, it, it, it's it's generally the same issues. Um, you know, particularly in the, in the in the luxury markets, what we are seeing is that um, you know a, a lot of uh, properties have been bought, and then the existing houses have been torn down, and and, and new new buildings being built. Um, but even in the renovation side of it, I, mean, we, I would say we see a lot more on the new build at the moment. Um, and so the materials that affect and, and labor that's, that's specifically relate to the, to the new build is really where, where we see a lot of the pressure. Um, and I was coming on to it in, in, in some of my slides moving forward, but you know, if you look at you know, aluminum studs, for example, you know, they're, they're now starting to shoot up because um, all the new builds uh, are using timber. Um, and so because the price of timber has gone up, now aluminum is starting to go up because they're starting to use that, that as a material. So, um, so I think in terms of, you know, when you look at the, the, the issues, I think, I think they're just across the board. Um, although I would say that the, the new builds are, are more prevalent at the moment. And that's, that's predominantly because there is more um, new build construction going on um, in, in the market. And, and particularly, you know, where we're going to these sort of secondary and tertiary markets, uh, where they're, you know, like I said, we're doing stuff in Wyoming and Montana and, and building new complexes. And, and that seems to be the sort of, rather than those sort of one-off houses, uh, we do see a lot of those, but you know, the, the, the sort of 
mixture of maybe five, ten in a complex. Um, and we've obviously you know, all the high amenities and all that kind of stuff. Um, that, that's where we're seeing a lot of movement at the moment um, on those markets. Okay. Um, and I had another question for you about this. And I totally lost my train of thought. Shoot. Well, I think this is all very helpful for everybody. I, I feel like um, people, I don't know, you know, everything's moving in different directions and people are trying to understand and, and figure out A, how to navigate through their own work, but also how to talk about it. And, and that seems to be um, a really important um, uh, thing because people want answers and they want yeah. their house done and they want them done timely. And that seems to be a more complicated thing to do these days. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for us to stay in tune with these topics. And I'm sure we're gonna have you come back at some other time and, and talk to us more because um, you are so in tune with the, the high-end market. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy how much people are, are spending. Um, wait, yeah. we have another question. It says, what are high-end costs per square foot ranges or averages per state or region? Past, present, forecasted. Calculated per heated area or inclusive porches, et cetera, knowing regionally is critical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can, that's probably, I mean, if you don't mind, I, I can follow up you separately on that because that's a, it's a whole big, big, big answer to a question, sounds of, because uh, it very much changes uh, per, per, per location and per, per type. But yeah, I mean, we, we, we typically look at um, cost of square foot on per heated area. Uh, or enclosed area. Um, you know, we don't tend to take the the, the porches into account. Um, but you know, we we are, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of you know lot of price increases, um, way above that thousand dollar thousand dollar square foot. And in some cases, you know, we're we're looking at you know projects where we're we're into the sort of the you know double that. Um, so it's you know I'm hearing double that. Mm. I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing yeah, like double that and above, which is mm -hmm. Amazing. And, and what does that do in the long-term market? I mean, I guess if you're building a custom home, everybody says, if you're building a custom home, very high-end home, don't be thinking about reselling it because that's not what you're doing it for. You're yeah. doing it for yourself. So you have to figure out, you know, how much you want to spend and what's important, but that's a big number. Uh, and, a, and, a, and a quick jump, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, yes, yes, you may see some of that come down, but you know, looking ahead, you know, you, it's it's going to be very, uh, you know, any decrease in those costs are, are going to be minimal um, in comparison to the to the increase that we've seen. Um, you know, we, we don't expect there to be massive reductions um, in, in the prices of, of sales or, or construction. And what are you seeing in terms of the shifts? Like some of these shifts, like you're saying, people are using more lumber now. And cement is cheaper. First of all, we know cement is probably it's the devil to the environment. So yes. start there. It's awful. What are some of these other shifts? Are they shifts in the right direction in terms of the environment and the issues that we have to face? Or are they because you know, one thing we always hear is our members, their clients, they don't want to talk about the environment. They don't care. They don't yeah. want to talk about it. And some of them care, but mm -hmm. it's gonna make it complicated or more expensive. They're like, I, it's not important. So how do you feel like us making good decisions in terms of guidance to our, our, our clients around yeah. this stuff? What's your information on, I mean, what, what's your answer on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, and, and one of the studies that we do a lot actually is looking at the return on investment. Um, you know, so for example, you know, how, how long does it take you to pay back PV panels 
Well, how long does it take you? You know, and even to the point of, you know, do you go from double to triple glazing or do you, you know, buy a, a, a better air handling unit? And, you know, geothermal, for example, and, and wind, you know, wind farms, you know, it's probably a little bit extreme. Uh, you know, we are, we are dealing with those, but, um, but you know, and, and, and so we, we sit there and we come up with a list of options of, okay, you know, th these are items and this just doesn't just help the environment, but this is, you know, for those clients who, who are sort of money aware, should we say, uh, this is this is your return payback period. So if it, you know if it takes you five eight years and you're looking to hold on to the property for 10, 15 years, then you know it, not only does it give you that um, enhanced sales pitch, and I'm, I'm not a salesperson by any means, but you know it gives you that you know this is a greenhouse, for example, um, but it also allows you to sort of show that for your own mind that you've paid back that money and for the last eight years of that house ownership, for example. That, that you're actually saving money um, for it. So, so we, we, we've taken a lot of approaches like that. It's actually something that people need to learn how to talk about because it's like, okay, well, it's, ups, it's expensive now, but down the road, you're going to recoup it, you know, two times or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a cost benefit analysis to it. And, you know, and, uh, you know you, you've got to calculate the energy, uh, calculate the construction cost, and then, and then what we call the life cycle cost as well. You know, how many times you're going to replace it. And, um, you know, I recently did this with, uh, with Hyatt, for example, where we did that and, and they now include that in all their global standards of, you know, these are the options you can use and this is the payback periods that you have for, for those developing uh, the hotels across, across their entire range, you know, mid-range to, 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 the, to the luxury. So um, because, you know, some, some people will, will go for that longer term gain. Some people are owning it for the short term. And so, you know, not, not every... Um, Every piece is going to be um, a, 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 something that people pick, and then you know, once you add in things like you know, if you go down to like the Carolinas, there's a lot of tax incentives, lower energy costs, you know. So there, there's those kind of things as well that that could 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 you know change the the cost benefit analysis of of the uh, of, of of the, uh, the, the green technology, so to speak. But we are seeing we are seeing people very much take it on board, and you know. Timber, timber construction, prefabrication is going to be, you know, really hot. And we're seeing a lot more prefabrication now, um, you know, cleaner environments, um, quicker efficiency, less energy usage, you know, you know, less, less trucking, less carbon footprints, all that kind of stuff as well. So That's good as long as we can keep it at the quality of what our, our, you know, we're talking about people who build, you know, I'm just throwing the same, this number up three to $180 million homes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, prefab and all of that, like how we need to do that. And I know we've got to go, but we've got to be able to do that at a level yep. that people expect and think is beautiful and it can't look weird. And exactly. that's- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and the prefab world, you know, it, it was something that, that people were doing or trying to do anyway. And, and there weren't a, a great deal of people or, or firms doing that. Um, we have seen an uptick and, you know, so I, I did a tour of a prefabrication unit um, a, a month or so ago and, you know, focusing on the high end side and, um, you know, but, but there's not many people out there doing it. And then until you get that quorum, I think, of, of people doing those sustainable designs or pre, prefabrication, that's when you're going to see it ramp up. But in its current state at the moment, um, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to focus on the quality and and I think it's like anything, whether it's a designer, developer, owner, consultant, you know, picking the right 
people who have the right experience and the right knowledge about those types of projects is uh, is, is is really key, particularly in this in this market. Yeah, and I do think that that's that's not the easiest thing to do because I, I think a lot of people are very confused about what's true and what's not true, or mm-hmm. what are the best options. And it seems like a a wild frontier that people are trying to understand and break down. And you know, I was in a conversation the other day, and I was like, "Is this is this sustainable? I mean, is it really like a good thing for the earth?" And it were, we were like, "Well, it says it is, but, <laughs> but we don't really know if." if we're getting the right information, but I know we've exactly. got to talk because it's 9.58. So I just mm-hmm. want to thank you for your, your insight and your work on this webinar and for talking to us. I, I um, have really enjoyed it. I enjoyed our first conversation too, and I'm probably going to keep bugging you. Um, yeah, I think we all agree that this is beneficial for everybody to start um, to understand how to speak to people, how what's going on and know what's happening and being able to know what hap- what's going to happen before it actually happens. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's a much better business practice for us to be knowledgeable about these things. Um, uh, this is our last expert access uh, talk for the summer. Um, we're taking it off and uh, we will see everybody at the summit. And we, you know, in uh, our other small calls, community calls, that type of thing. But the webinars will start again in the fall. So keep an eye out, everybody, for the fall lineup. And also keep an eye out for our summit registration because that's going to happen soon. And I uh, thanks, everybody, for coming and taking time on your busy day. So, Dan, we'll see you again soon. And I really, really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks very much. Thanks, thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah.